Call out, you're nearly there, halfway. <laughs> 15. Come on, you've got this. 14. Four. Come on. One more and there's 10 to go. 10 more. One. Two. Three. Come on. Come on. Ten. Twenty more to go. Watch some big breaths. You've got this. Twelve gone. Come on. Well, keep moving. Short movements. Fourteen. Come on. Time's good still, mate. Fourteen. Fifteen. Come on, just ten more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right side to side. You've got this. Come on, mate, you've got this. 30 off your right leg. One, two, three, four, five, six. Perfect, there we go. All righty, we're in. We're in, how's it going, Jack? Good, how are you? I'm doing excellent, just getting everything situated here. Welcome to the ericswanracing.com podcast. Uh, this we're back is, again. We're back again, this is episode number two for you, uh, Jack Roach number two, but uh, this is my 72nd episode, so thanks again for coming on, talking to me, and uh, getting I'll that here update. Down. Yeah, I'm doing. Go ahead. Good, buddy. We're doing good. And uh, you've been racing and riding Moto America now, going on what four or five years? Uh, yeah. So 2019, we uh we did BSB for two uh for one year, and then 2020 and 21, we did uh Moto America, and then next year, uh, I'll be 2022, I'll be in in England again. Oh, you're going overseas. I see. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's a whole new journey. You're going to be living over there full time, I imagine. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be living there with uh, one of our our good friends that he helps me out racing, and he's basically our family now. And he's going to be putting me up for that that season, and then maybe I'll go around and just see a couple of my racing friends over there and stay with them. Maybe we'll see. A little bit of couch surfing. Yeah, you know, it's just I think every racer goes through that stage where you just you just anything to to get racing. So sure, and uh, as long as you got good friends, I mean, you got couches here and there. It might be be a little lumpy at times, but uh, you can deal with it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I mean, I sleep like a rock anyway, so I don't I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been camping a lot this year. I've been camping uh, as a track marshal, going all the different events, and I don't get a hotel. I'd rather wake up at the track and not have to spend any money. It's free camping for all the track marshals. So yeah, that's the thing. Like in 2020, I was it with the uh, the team Veloce and. They put me up in hotels and I, 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 I liked it. It's always nice to be in a hotel, but now, like, obviously when I was with Westby, I had my own RV. It's a, it's a lot of driving, but um, it's, it's definitely nice staying at the track. You don't have to wake up too early. You got like, it's like a home away from home. Like you're just comfortable. Yeah. And you know, you get woken up by, this, by the smell of race gas and uh, run, bikes running and revving engines trying to warm everything up. <laughs> yeah more like his dad yelling at me get out of bed but uh <laughs> right and uh you know at some tracks uh i found it kind of strange like daytona i went i went there for the first time this year and they have limits on uh, i'm sure other tracks do as well but it's the first time i experienced it where they kick you out you got to be out of the pits by a certain time then they like enforce it religiously like okay you got to be out in two hours after last after the checker flag or something like that and so yeah. everybody's rushing to get things done. It's not like you're working all night on your bike. Like at, at the, the local home tracks, you can do whatever you want. They don't care. But maybe at a professional event or these bigger racetracks, they, uh, they're more strict. Yeah, Moto America is definitely uh, more strict than others. For sure. And uh, you're, are you excited to be doing BSB instead of Moto America? It's just a different challenge. Um, yeah, it's a different challenge. Obviously, I'll be I'll be riding for uh, Leon Haslam's Affinity Sports Academy team, uh, which is awesome, like an awesome opportunity for me. Um, all those bikes. Yeah. So basically how I got introduced to Leon was we from Moto America at Barber the day after we flew to um, to England and raced the last three rounds. And I raced on Leon's like spare bike. So yeah, so that was how we got introduced to, to him. And then now like it's led, led to me riding for him next year. Heck yeah. So you see, it seems like you, uh, you put on a good performance and proved yourself and he uh, wanted to help, help, help you out with the uh, ride for next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's, uh, he saw some, I mean, I, the results that I got were good. We, uh, we struggled in qualifying a little bit because obviously like it's one practice of 25 minutes <laughs> and then straight into qualifying. Um, I mean, I don't want to use the excuse that I haven't been to the tracks because I hate people that use those use that excuse. Um, but I think at, at Olton Park, I think we I think I qualified like 16th and then ended up P4. So it was good. And you had been to some of those tracks before, but it's just been a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was like I, some some tracks like I remember, but like some it feels like so long ago, like because I've been doing so much like a bunch of more like tracks that I've ridden in the last two years, and then it felt like I haven't ridden those tracks in like ten years. It was crazy. Now, are you looking at data? Are you um, are you watching video? Uh, how are you training for going to all these new tracks? Do you have a simulator at home? Uh, so I've got obviously Ride Four. I've got like uh, all those, all the basically the BSB tracks on that game. But uh, not really. Like I can't really go over there and ride at any of those tracks because I obviously live in Canada. Um, but I think in January I'm planning to if we can get 
uh, funds together. Uh, I'm planning to go to Spain and uh, test with the team uh, on the on the 400, which will be which will be good. So I think Ron and uh, sorry Leon and his dad Ron will be there. So he'll be, they'll be doing like one on one coaching, which will be very very useful. Hablas uh, español? No, no. <laughs> no, no Spanish. Uh, tu cerveza grande, por favor. That's all I know. <laughs> I got you. Well, I'm sure you'll pick up a lot when you go over there. And um, as you progress through your uh, traveling and going through different countries and riding, I'm sure you'll pick up some of that. Yeah, I mean, I went there, yeah, back in 2019, before like the season started, I went to Cartagena, which is the track that I'm actually going to. I went there and it was it literally like Spain's like so much, so much different. Like kids there are just, they literally get out of school, dad picks them up in the van, they get dressed in the van all the way to the track, <laughs> they get their leathers, and then by the time they hit the track, dad's already got the bike out, and they're going out and racing straight after school, so it's it's crazy. Very different, yeah, Very. that's a pretty cool situation they got over there. It's, uh, I wish, uh, I think what we need over here is to just introduce it to children and kids at a much younger age, because I just didn't think it was even possible. Like, how do I get into this? I, this seems cool, but I had no no guidance, no pathway, and my parents didn't care for it. So I had to do everything on my own once I became old enough and could afford to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think with the Ovale and uh, what they're doing and Euro race and stuff like that, the guys in North America, they're really pushing it out there and it's doing super good. Like right now, I mean, I wish I started now, like, cause those kids have got so much opportunities. Like, that funnel system now, it literally, they go from the Ovale Cup, like look at Kayla Yakov, she's coming from a Ovale Cup to Junior Cup, and then she'll probably be on a twin or a 600. It's a good funnel system. It's great. I like what they're doing there. Yeah, and she comes into like her first ever race weekend and podiums. It's like, oh, well, that's, you, you can see something there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First ever race season, she podiums at Barber, um, which is In the rain. Great. Yeah, in the rain. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, in the rain, it's literally, it, yeah, the rain can do crazy stuff. You saw the superbike race with Matthew. Everybody so. crashing out, and Matthew getting probably a world record for longest slide. Yeah, 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 he, uh, he did good for that. <laughs> I, gave, I gave him props after the race. He needs to bring a surfboard next time. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I think that race should have been probably canceled because the conditions were, like, super bad, like, even on my R3, I'm spinning up down the front straight. Um, like when they're like, I saw Cam Peterson when coming down the front straight, he's going clicking third, fourth. And I think, I don't think he clicked fifth, but like in all gears, he's just sliding, sliding and he's sliding as he hits the brake. And then he's sliding again as he's getting into the turn. Like it, it's just, it was crazy. Yeah, that was a ton of rain. I was a track marshal that weekend at turn 14 the whole time. And I've never been that wet. I've never been that wet in my entire life, uh, just outside the whole time. I only brought a hat for my rain gear. Uh, yeah, you, it. you're having some fun out there. It was wild, uh, picking up a lot of bikes, a lot of people falling down. We had a record that I've seen at the racetrack, 66 bikes fall down in a single day, I think maybe on Saturday, was a record that I've, I've seen. And yeah, uh, crazy. So where is the limit? Because everybody crashed it seemed like in that race um and so when do you call it because their bikes are hydroplaning in certain areas but other areas are fine so do you race to the track conditions or when you have like an inch of rain then you say recall it i think like in most 
like in most racing like championships, I feel like I've seen races and wash races. As soon as there's standing water on the track, that's it. Cause there's just like standing water. There's no grip whatsoever. You might as well just be on slicks yeah. in the wet. Yeah. And I feel like they should have seen that and probably called it. Cause dude in uh, Charlotte's web. Yeah. Literally like that much of rain. Oof. Like it was crazy. Yeah, uh, they did stop it at one point, and they were sweeping the track, trying to clear all the drains, and the drains were clogging. They just can't handle that much rain after a certain point. It just has got nowhere to go with all the drains yeah. in the world. I was like, there's no point trying to do that. That It's just going to come back. Yeah, but uh, what you got to do is figure out how to build, like, a, um, a dome over the top so you can have uh, any weather condition you want. You know, it might not be sunny because there's no sun on the track now, but... You built like a big structure over the top to fend off all the weather. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be good. I've always think thought about that, but that's a that's a lot of money. Like a major uh, pavilion or something with like, but then you got beams and and poles in the way, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't know how to do that. It'd be it'd be ha it would have to be one big canopy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh. So uh, you're going overseas for this next year, going to Spain coming up, um, and you're going to be in the uh, the Junior Cup as well, the 400, 300 class. Yeah, the Junior Super Sport, the uh, Hell Junior Super Sport. So, no, it's going to be it's going to be good. There's a uh, there's a lot of kids in there. I think there's like 50 kids in there trying to qualify for uh, like 30, 35 uh, grid positions. So, quite a few. It's going to be a cutthroat field. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nothing that I've obviously I've handled it before. Um, and I've, it's like a big learning curve as soon as you race. Like 2019 uh, at Silverstone, I finished like fourth and it was good. I was in the leading pack. It was just, it was like, it was just good racing. It was my first ever like race season, uh, like professional race season. And then literally we went, we went to Donington Park and it was like mixed conditions. And I finished like 20th because i just got beat up there's kids like crashing into me and i just didn't know what was going on so i mean it was a good learning curve and it's taught me like so much and especially like this year on the r3 like that has taught me so much like feeling the front end pushing the front end pushing the rear so no it's it's good all every year is a learning year yeah and uh going from moto america using the dunlops what are they using over in bsb is that the same tire compound brand uh, no, the uh the pirellis i think they're i forgot what they're called but they're good tires the the uh the treaded ones are not slicks they're uh cut cut slicks um we only get two sets of tires a, a weekend so oh wow that's uh not as many as i was imagining I, usually it's i'm thinking you know four to six sets or maybe eight for a super bike i don't know yeah, yeah, on the 400, it's, yeah, I don't know what it is for Superbike, but for, on the 400, it's two sets. So usually it's basically we, we divide into four sessions, which is practice, the qualifying, race one and race two, and obviously the warm-up, but the warm-up doesn't really matter. Uh, but for the practice one, we run new tires, and then for qualifying two, we run new tires, and then race one, we run the tires that we ran from practice, and then on race two, we run the tires from qualifying. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, for coming from someone who's poor and broke like myself, uh, less tires is better, but you have less grip. But I mean, in a 400, you're not burning up tires as much as a 600 even. No, 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 not at all. I think Stuart Higgs has got it down pat with the 
with that system. I think it's, it literally, it works perfect. Um, I think race, race two, I mean, yeah, I don't really feel, I feel a tire drop off at all, really, to be honest. I mean, you might get a little like the, like the bike wallows a little bit off the side of the tire, but it, there's no like big, like knives on the front or like the rear coming out. It's, it's pretty good. Like the the Pirelli's got it. The technology is really, really good. You prefer the Dunlop or the Pirelli better? Is there, or do you just race the tire they give you? Um, I prefer a Pirelli to be honest. I mean, I, f I have nothing against Dunlop, but for the 400, I think Pirelli is probably the better one to go for. Um, I think if the junior cup kids in America were on Pirelli's, I think they'd probably go around a second faster to be honest, because the carcass is so hard on the Dunlop. Um, cause they don't change the, the, um, the carcass from the superbike tire to the, to the, uh, the junior cup tire. So they don't, the tire doesn't work as much. You probably got to ride it a lot harder to get that performance out of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I did like, obviously on the R3, like you're pushing a lot, like you use your tires a lot more than the 400s cause the 400s use their, their power out of the, out of the turns. But, uh, like the front tire was even more, uh, like worn than the rear in some some cases for me okay and uh moto america is going to an 11 round series with uh, the first round being not for points at daytona um are you planning on doing the daytona round at all i wish i wish that would be uh that would be really cool but um i think w w when is that uh it's gonna be i think march 10th through 12th in 2020 yeah I'll, uh, I'll be at home because the uh the bsb calendar doesn't start till april uh, but I'll be, I'll be at home. And you're in Canada now? We're in Canada? Uh, British Columbia. So like uh, 20 minutes south of Vancouver. Oh, out west. That sounds like a beautiful area out there. Yeah, it is. Right now it's uh, not the best. It's snowing. So. Snow, yeah, and you get all that from, uh, from the ocean front uh, lake effect or ocean effect snow. Yeah, definitely snow. We're like where I am in BC, it's like we're quite high up in White Rock, so it's we get a lot of snow, more snow than uh, the lower mainland. Are you a big uh, skier, snowboarder, uh, outdoorsman? I like snowboarding. I want I want to like get into snowboarding more. Um, I like obviously I got a bunch of friends here that go, so I think we're planning to go maybe this weekend or next weekend. But uh, it's yeah, I'd love to go. I remember I was just actually watching uh, our first podcast for a couple of minutes just to get a refresher real quick. And uh, I remember Bobby Fong was saying, you know, he, he doesn't snowboard. He's trying to stay away from that stuff. Do you have anything in your contracts saying like you can't do anything dangerous? Um, not that I've read. I mean, I, I did read the contract, but um, I don't I didn't see anything on there that said that. But I anyways, I do stay away from doing some dangerous stuff. But obviously in Canada. There's not really, I mean, you can do motocross, but like, it's obviously like snowing. So I'm always looking for that, a bit of, bit of adrenaline and stuff like that. So it's sometimes I do like mountain biking and stuff like that. And there's big jumps and I'm like, oh, wow. Like I definitely do that, but I've got racing, big jump. But I'm like, eh. <laughs> I was never a huge jumper. I mean, there's no big hills in Michigan anyways to, to jump off of, but um, it'd be cool to try it out at least, but. I feel like if I get into that into that stuff, I don't want to do it just wearing uh, shorts and a t-shirt. I want to be like geared up, ready for the hitting the ground, you know? Yeah, definitely gotta get prepared. If you know if you know you're going down, then definitely get prepared. 
I just usually I wear jeans and a shirt. There you go. <laughs> always, At least cover always, up so you don't get cut up. What's that? At least you got to cover your skin so you don't get all cut up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always black jeans. Uh, Matt, Matthew knows that whenever we used to go mountain biking, I always just wear a white shirt, a uh, pair, pair of black jeans, and some vans. Okay, very cool. I was actually uh, thinking of getting some uh, cycling shorts, like with a padded pad for your butt and uh, a cycling shirt um, kit done up with my uh, with my logo on it, and then all the brands, well, not all of them, but maybe 10 10 or 15 or so brands that I sell um, be like an advertising thing. So that'd be kind of cool to uh, when I go out, it's like branded ESR with some, some M4 exhaust on it. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I know Brandon, Brandon Pash, he's got his cycling kit, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to get a custom, custom, like, uh, like, cycling cycling outfit which would be kind of cool but maybe maybe in the future probably uh you could sell it for your merchandise maybe maybe we'll see you got any merchandise shirts or hats or anything uh i do i think it's, it's literally the same as la like last year's podcast i do but i mean like i just have like for like family and stuff if they want some and people that come to the racetracks and say like oh hey what's up uh, like i give them a hat or something like that or posters yeah posters and stuff like that it's always it's always nice to give that out to the to the fans yeah i like i even keep them on my wall i got a couple of them over here uh, i got different ones from the some of the yamaha boys from back in the day um it's cool it's uh, i always had them on my wall as a kid you couldn't even see my uh, uh the paint on the wall it just posters everywhere you know kind of thing growing yeah. up <laughs> yeah i i got yeah, I got Dom's Dom Doyle's poster in here. I think I got Aaron's poster in here. Drew a little mustache on his face. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or if it's some of your rivals, maybe you could use it as a dartboard. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Maybe I should try that. <laughs> <laughs> Take some of your anger out. If you pass me again in turn three, man, I'm gonna get him back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so I see your hat. You got Arma Energy going on. Yeah, I stole this from Matthew. Yeah, me and Matthew kind of—he's got some of my stuff. He's got—I've got some of his. So, very good. Um, so, what's been going on in your life lately? Uh, I literally just got back. Well, uh, back like a week ago from uh, what's it called? Uh, the NEC bike show uh, in Birmingham from okay. England. Yeah. Uh, did like a kind of kind of like a press release type of thing, just. Did an interview with all like the Affinity Sports Academy, uh, the the riders, and it was good. No, I enjoyed it. Saw the the boys from Kawasaki. Uh, had a dinner with Leon. It was yeah, it was good. It was nice to like get just introduced to the team. Uh, did a did a fitness test. Uh, definitely died. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll send you the video of me dying in the fitness test. It's quite funny. Maybe I'll add it in here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. <laughs> uh, what kind of stuff are they doing is it like all around like uh running strength uh endurance uh so like it's at uh leon's got like a, a farm basically it's not a farm but it's, it's like a big place it looks like a farm but it's basically just a riding compound yeah uh his dad lives on there and leon lives there with his uh with his kids and he just rides he's got planes in the in the in his uh in his hangar and stuff like that so he's got he's definitely set for uh 
for having fun. Um, he's got like a big training area that obviously all the all the boys come back and train and do the fitness tests, which is good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it, definitely. And uh, have you been doing a lot of cycling lately for your for your training? What have you been doing in the off season to keep uh, keep fit? Right now, I mean, the weather's not the best for cycling. Uh, I've been, I've got literally a gym, like a two minute walk, walk away from my house. So I've been going to the gym, uh, running, and then obviously mountain biking, which is, uh, which I like mountain biking is one of my favorite things to do around this time of time of year. Are you a big snow biker or fat tire biker? No, no, no. I've definitely seen those. I'm, I'm not really interested in those, but I like uh, the dirt jumpers. Um, those are pretty cool. Uh, and then just obviously the regular mountain bikes. Do you ever see yourself getting one of those e-bikes, those electric bikes, a pedal assist type of thing? Uh, maybe for my dad because he's getting old now uh, so he can keep up with me. Um, no, no, no. I'd rather, rather get some exercise in. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, my mom just got one so she can go for the rides or so she can keep up with my dad. Well, now my dad wants one because – He's like, you can keep up too easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, I've ridden a bunch, and they're super fun. I guess it's kind of nice. You can go a lot farther uh, for the same amount of effort. But when I go out, I'm like, I want to get a workout, not just uh, go really far. Yeah, exactly my thoughts. So, um, have you been watching the, uh, the Formula One uh, finale at all? Yeah, I watched that. I got up early, and uh, I watched that. Uh, I was yelling at the TV for a while, um, woke up the family. So <laughs> what are your thoughts was, on, uh, track limits? The, there's a lot of, uh, things going on with, within world Superbike or MotoGP or formula one now where, you know, if you go an inch wide, you get on the green paint in some series, you on the last lap, you, you lost that position. And now we've got people going across, you know, uh, a parking lot of, of pavement and not giving positions back. It's like, is that yeah. really the right thing? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think in F1 mostly it's all politics, to be honest. There's little racing that goes on. Uh, but I'm definitely excited for the, the Netflix show to come out. Um, but I think that, that move that Verstappen put on Hamilton, I mean, he did I – mean, Hamilton did take a voting action, but I think he definitely got an advantage off of it. Um, I mean, it's people's opinions don't really influence the, it's all about politics and money and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's that safety car issue. I don't have so much of a problem with that. If you want to just get the cars out of the way in the, in the middle of them, it's like, that's fine. Just we're letting the two guys in the front race. It doesn't matter what happens behind. It kind of sucks that the guy at the last one doesn't get to fight with the person who got away a little bit, you know, that might not be fair, but in, in the context <laughs> of... One lap, one lap. I think they should have let the cars go by, as in like the uh, the lapped cars go by in the first lap of the safety car. But I think FIA and they were having like a struggle decision because the the repercussions of their of their actions would have been highly highly looked at by Mercedes and stuff like that. So I think they're actually like taking them to court or something about it. Yeah, they I think they appealed it and uh, they're, they're doing some sort of investigation now. Um, I heard with Mercedes withdrew their appeal because they're going to do some uh, a global, um, you know, check into the FIA to see what their their actions, if they were valid or not. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it's all drama, right? Drama in the motorsports field. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's always, always. When there's that much money involved, it's definitely drama. So how much, I don't even know what the purse is if you win a Formula One World Championship. Probably $100 million or something for, for winning the championship? Maybe, I don't know. I think probably a lot. Probably definitely a lot. Those, those guys are definitely one of the most paid athletes in the world. And uh, I'm a part of this Flag Marshals of the World Facebook group. Um, everybody posts from like Abu Dhabi all around the world, different tracks and what they're doing with the marshals at the side of the track. And, um, you know, it's just cool to see. But somebody posted uh, from that event and they were saying, we responded so fast that they were able to resume that one lap of racing. If we weren't able to respond fast enough, that last lap would have never happened. So you got to think like the marshals play a big part in uh, how it actually plays out. You know, if, yeah. if they weren't able to get that resumed, it would have just re been a safety car and nothing would have happened. So um, everybody, even the volunteers who are sometimes unpaid at those major events, uh, um, they have a big effect on the outcome. And somebody else posted, we can light an entire circuit with like 3,500 light bulbs but we can't afford to pay the marshals who are actually flagging on the side of the track, making these decisions. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. yeah. Are that, so the, the marshals, are, are they volunteers in F1? So in Formula One, they think it's, it's such a privilege for you to be there. They don't pay you. Yeah. I think they definitely should get paid a little bit. Definitely. And, uh, yeah. In, uh, in most amateur organizations like CCS and WERA and Moto America even, professional, I've been paid. There's only one event I haven't been paid for, uh, which is Mid-Ohio, uh, of all things. So they just don't pay for their, their workers' events. Um, and SCCA, uh, the car club, um, they don't pay either. So I'm not, I'm not going to do those events because um, it doesn't make sense. But I would still like to do for one Formula One just to put on my resume. Um, it'd be cool yeah. to, uh, to do that and, uh, to see how everything is. And actually I applied, um, a couple days ago to work at the, uh, the Miami Grand Prix for 2022 coming up in May. So, um, we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That'd be, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Never done a formula. I never, uh, been to a formula one race or worked one. So it'd be uh, interesting to see how that is. I mean, you can't really pick up a car when it crashes like a motorcycle. So there's not a whole lot you can do. You're like, Oh, we need a crane now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's crazy how they just put, they've got massive, big, big, uh, tractors and stuff like that to haul them off. Yeah, and they, a, they do it really, really quick too. That's a huge operation. Yeah, it is massive um so uh 2022 coming up in uh two weeks now uh how many events are going to be on the bsb calendar for next year uh we do i think we do nine rounds i nine think rounds? yeah i think nine or nine or ten rounds but i think the total is i think it's 12 rounds for like all obviously the super bikes i think we don't do cadwell and we don't do the first uh brands hatch round Okay, I was just thinking about Campbell. That's the one with a big jump in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they don't let us do that. I I don't know why exactly, but I think it's because of there's just so many kids in our class and the, the track is so small. I think it'd just be too dangerous. You guys got a lot of uh, narrow, uh, sh small tracks over there, right? 
Yeah, definitely. And they're all they're all up and downs. There's none of them none of them are flat except from uh, Silverstone. So tons of elevation and uh, some jumps even. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's why like uh, people for, that come over from England, uh, sorry, come over from America, and even like Spanish and Italian people when they come to BSB, they struggle so much because the tracks are just crazy. Yeah, is uh, I've never been to England. It's a very mountainous area. Uh yeah, it's it's very green actually. There's a lot of uh, farmland. Okay, very cool. Um, a lot of cows and pastures. Uh, they gr a lot of um cattle and f farm animals, or a lot of uh, things growing in the in the fields. Uh it's mostly like like livestock. There's like a lot of like sheep and just a lot of animals. Okay. I think they um, import their, most of their like food and stuff like that from different countries. Okay. Um, and so sticking on the in the junior cup for this year uh, and next year, um, do you have any plans or thoughts of moving up to the uh, 600 or, or uh, higher classes? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think if I do obviously good in the, good in this uh, championship for next year, there'll be a, probably a good chance that I'll move up to maybe stock 600 uh, in BSB or something like that. And is, do you know if BSB is doing the same homologation with, uh, with the World Superbike rules for the stock 600 where they're going to the, um, it's like a modified 600 class now type of thing? Um, I don't know. I think that's happening for the super sport, uh, the super sport class, but I don't think it's happening for the stock stock 600 class oh so they're keeping those separate then they're keeping two uh, two separate ones yeah 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 i wish they would kind of do that in the u.s because it, it allows a, a lower barrier of entry um maybe it's a little bit slower but i guess still a 600 though it's still fast i mean um, yeah but less built of an engine anyway yeah definitely um obviously the times are not i mean they're they are different uh but they're not like drastically different between the stock six kids and the uh the super sport i would think maybe like two seconds depends on the track layout obviously but maybe two three seconds a track or so yeah i mean i think in america between a stock bike and a super sport bike it'd probably be a lot because the tracks are much bigger and longer but i think uh in in england it's a bit more like the tracks are tighter and it's more about track knowledge and stuff like that so okay um are you planning on doing any uh, wildcard events with any other series, like um, whether it's amateur series in the UK or over here? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, I, my, my plan is to race, obviously, the junior super sport. But I think if anything pops up, if I get an offer to ride a ride, like, I don't know, like an event or something like that in England, uh, maybe, maybe we'll see. Or even maybe like a a world super sport type of thing or you know um world superbike class yeah maybe yeah well uh definitely you never know in racing everything like stuff just pops up out of, out of the blue so it's always just unless you just keep ticking along until something pops up and then go do it i mean with a guy like leon camry it seems like uh you know he could just do anything yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's, he's still riding or is he just coaching now uh, Leon, he is, I think he's planning to, uh, I think he's going to be racing in England, I think, the, this year. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. I think that was his plan to to do that. And then uh, I don't know what team for um, or I don't know what bike either. But uh, he'll be riding whatever bike uh, whatever bike he'll be racing next season. He'll be riding that in Spain and testing it. So sure. Um, now with those uh, the lightweight bikes, are you guys allowed to use uh, those those uh, aftermarket rims those lightweight wheels to help out with your handling your turning ability no so basically um you're not allowed any electronics um for the 400 so no traction uh, control no abs no wheelie control no endo control no nothing i mean on the uh, on the r3 uh back in obviously last oh, last season uh we had like some telemetry on it and stuff like that which was uh it was good we uh we got into the data and stuff like that, and it was good to get introduced to it. Um, I don't think it really matters a lot on the uh, on the on the little bikes, but it's always nice to get into it. But I think for on the four hundreds in England, you're not allowed to have any of that. So uh, no data loggers at all, just just maybe a lap timer. Yeah, lap timer, and then obviously just the rider the rider feedback, which is it's good. I mean. On the 400s, you don't really have to do a lot, to be honest, to go fast on them. You just have to get them in within like a range. And then when, once they're in that little spot, then I think you're good. Get them in the operating uh, window that make you feel comfortable at least. Um, how much from track to track would you say your suspension changes, even on those little bikes? Are you changing, uh, changing springs and stiffness settings or um, compression, rebound, damping? On the 400, we... Um, I think we, we went a little bit stiffer because I was bottoming, bottoming out. Um, I think they just misjudged my weight. Um, but then literally changed the spring rate. I think they did a couple clicks in uh, Alton Park. And then literally we didn't touch the bike until the last round. Uh, we didn't touch it because I, I literally I like the setup. And I think um, on the Dunlops, I think it matters. The setup matters a little bit more because the carcass is quite hard. But on the on the Pirelli, there's a lot of forgiveness with the with the tire. So I feel like it kind of get like the suspension doesn't really it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter that much. Maybe a bigger window of, of ease on the Pirellis. Yeah, I mean, like so. Obviously, uh, I ran Olean's uh, for the last three rounds of BSB, and uh, the guy literally like he'd come around and be like anything like you got any problems i'm like no everything's good um and then he literally come back after the session he's like you got any problems i'm like no everything's good i just like i think people get caught up in the in like oh the bike's not doing this the bike's not doing that i mean but for me it's just like just get on it and ride it and you got a slipper clutch in that bike um yeah we do um and so even though it's a stock bike, technically it's still got, you know, like a, a steering stabilizer on it. It's got steel braided brake lines, uh, obviously the race brake fluid and brake uh, and race oil, um, everything safety wired, body work, um, different grips, maybe uh, quarter turn throttle. Uh, yeah, quick action throttle. Those are definitely useful on the 400 because uh, yeah. you don't really, it's basically on and off on the 400. So sure. um, quick shifter. Yeah, yeah, quick shifter, exhaust, uh, chain, chain the from it goes from the 520 I think to the four the 420. So it's like a little less. 
yeah the 416 it's like a bike chain so we gotta replace that i think every one or two rounds because otherwise it will snap so very good um there's something else i was thinking too um got uh different rear sets clip-ons um are you allowed a different uh triple clamps no no, that's probably a super bike only yeah super bike and i think super sport i think super sport um and then what about auto blippers that's kind of electronics no no auto blip just just that's your auto blip the the wrist man uh, before i had that quick turn throttle it's like a half a turn throttle and i didn't have a quick shifter so i'm like doing this every time Uh, this is ridiculous my wrist is getting sore (laughs) yeah that's uh when you see track day guys and you see him doing the chicken wing going down the street (laughs) yeah yeah you gotta watch out for that um Thumb brake is it? Th- I don't know if a thumb brake. That seems like a, it could be uh, legal in uh, in any class. Uh, no, no thumb brake. But uh, in I think stock thousand, um, I think all classes except from junior super sport, you're allowed to run a thumb brake. But I don't think anybody runs them. They run the uh, they've got the clutch and the brake uh, on the on the levers. That I okay. think they a lot of people use that. Trying now, and you got a whole bunch of buttons on your uh, your dashboard. Do you have like a pit limiter button and all that? Yeah, we've got pit limiter, I think. Um, and then we got yeah, a couple couple buttons. Um, you know, buttons always look cool on a bike. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure keyless ignition. All you had to do is hit that uh, the kill switch and then start it up. Yeah, it's usually like a like a button, and then you just start it up. Um, is your is your setup? Uh, for like an endurance with a quick uh quick axles and the dump dump for the fuel no 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 i think those are yeah i'm pretty sure those are, are illegal okay um yeah i'm just uh it's cool that though, all the different things you can do to a stock bike people don't realize how many modifications you can actually make to a, a stock race bike yeah 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 there's it's literally like a bottomless pit you can put so much money into the into bikes it's crazy is there anything that you'd like to have allowed that isn't allowed for your class? Any little bits or pieces? Mm, not, not really. Um, no, maybe like a secret little button that gives me like five horsepower or something like Some that. Some nitrous maybe or her turbo. Yeah, Curs <laughs> like, uh, like the form, Formula One. You get Curs or DRS. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> maybe get some aerodynamics uh, package. Yeah, I think uh, you gotta run like the stock screen on the bike, and uh, I think, yeah, I think that'd probably be nice to run a double bubble or something like that. Um, Get a little. Are you running uh, one of those drink tubes so you can get a little sip on your bike? No, I've never ran those. Um, I tried. I think Jackson. Jackson had. he had a his old old helmet and he had like a drink tube and i think i tried it once and i I hated it this gets in the way yeah i mean like it's just like it sits like on your lip like it oh yeah yeah like basically sits inside your mouth and it's like i don't want anything like (laughs) inside my mouth while i'm riding and i feel like it probably like if you crash and like hit your head i think it'd like knock a tooth out or something (laughs) probably those yeah uh when i was mountain biking a lot i just have one like over my shoulder but that's flapping in the breeze you don't want that flapping in the breeze when you're racing on a motorcycle no 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 i don't think that would be allowed to be honest i mean it would be cool though 
Just yell yeah. a little, little camelback on the, like, wearing a backpack while you're riding. <laughs> For sure. Um, and what do you think about those, uh, those airbag suits uh, or airbag vests? They have sometimes they're over, over the top of their suits. Yeah, I mean, the airbag vest, <laughs> I've seen that they save, they save like collarbones and stuff like that. But uh, I believe in not, I don't really, I believe in those. I, I feel like the built in ones, um, obviously, with the suit that I'm with at 4SR, they have a, a built in airbag with the uh, Tech Air compatible and, yeah, I mean, I've never had a airbag in my suit, but um, I mean, I'm definitely not opposed to having one because they probably save your shoulders and stuff like that. For sure. It sounds like, you know, anything to help uh, cushion the ground would help for sure. Um, it sounds painful when you crash, but it's part of racing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's probably saved so many people. I mean, in MotoGP, it's mandatory, I know. I think in all all classes in MotoGP, like Moto2 and Moto3, it's mandatory. And I think BSB, it's mandatory too, uh, the British Superbikes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about racing on a Formula One track. Um, do you feel like uh, those those cars are ruining the braking zones of those tracks because they just push them, push them down so hard to get rippled so quickly? Uh, I think the only F1 track I've ridden on was... Silverstone, uh, right? Yeah, Silverstone. And it no like literally because it just got repaved um, literally the the I think the year after I wrote it so um, so the year before I wrote it and no there was nothing literally Silverstone is probably the one one of the best tracks I've ridden tarmac wise yeah and it's gotta be cool to uh, to compare your lap times to Formula One cars and all the other different vehicles that have been on there yeah I mean obviously I've got my my driving sim uh, with me and uh, it's just crazy. Like I'll go from MotoGP playing the video game yeah. to playing F1, and then like I break where like the MotoGP guys are <laughs> breaking, and I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? Like I gotta break like a hundred yards deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to uh, come to grips with uh, just the aerodynamic advantage that those cars have. It's just ridiculous the speed. Yeah, it's crazy. like twenty seconds faster than a MotoGP bike. I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, obviously with four tires that are like triple the size of motorbike tires i think yeah. you've got more grip than than a, a regular moto gp bike yeah so what kind of sim do you got over there i got here i'll show you sure. it's like not nothing special it's just oh, that those ferraris yeah and then i got my little my uh my curved monitor actually i'm gonna plug my macbook in because it's it's running she's running low sure. <laughs> don't want to lose that battery no, we can't. We can't go and can't be going MIA on the on the <laughs> podcast. There we go. We're plugged in. Perfect. Um, and you said you've been playing uh, which game? I think you mentioned it already. MotoGP 21, Ride 4, and then um, F1 2021. I just got this new one, Assetto Corsa Competizione. It's like the new uh, World Challenge. Uh, GT3 and GT4 game. Um, oh, okay. They're using that one for esports. Um, you do have to buy some things in that one. It's not as free as like a Gran Turismo, but um, it does feel a little bit more realistic than the Gran Turismo one, I got to say. Um, mm. That was my go-to for the longest time. But they're coming out with Gran Turismo 7, I think, so uh, I got to try it out. 
Yeah, I mean, I've never really played, like, Gran Turismo or anything like that. I'm only just kind of stuck to, like, the mainstream games. And then I do like COD. COD is, like, I grind COD. COD's my favorite. Me and me, Matthew and uh, Cam, uh, we always we always play. There's, like, uh, 16 iterations of that game now, right? There's a whole bunch, like, Modern Warfare 16. Yeah, Modern Warfare, Vanguard, uh, Cold War. There's just so many. I've got basically all of them. Uh, I mean, I started playing COD back when I was like eight years old, so I've been a yeah. a big big COD fan. So I've always had uh, every single game that's dropped in October every year. So I think my last one was like Modern Warfare Two, and then uh, that was I had Killzone before that one. That was a long time ago. Um, yeah, that's a long time ago. I mean, I used to play Modern Warfare Two a lot. Like uh, trick shotting and stuff like that. That was uh, that was my type of thing. There you go. Do you have? You know, I remember for what was it Nintendo sixty four? We even had one of these controllers, like one of those, those orange shooters. Do you have one of those? Yeah. For your console? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they've actually brought them back for the Nintendo Switch. So I want to get a Nintendo Switch for traveling because it seems like such an easy thing to to use because I'm I'll be traveling a lot this yeah, season. Yeah, some the portable. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been just trying to stick with the racing games, I guess, for the last little while. I even got this motocross one, and I'm terrible with it because I don't know how to time it right all the time. You know, I'm going on, hitting the jumps on the up when I'm <laughs> going the wrong direction. Game. Oh, jeez. Is it like MXGP, I think it is? Oh, yeah, the new one? Yeah, it's like the latest one. It's a couple years old, maybe, but yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, MXGP is, I, I used to play that a lot, too. Um, yeah, I think it, it's actually fun, like, all my racing friends in America, like we all like hop on MXGP or or Supercross or something like that, and always we always play together, and we'll play like Ride Four and stuff like that, have a bit of competition, take each other out and stuff like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, have you been uh, training with Supermoto at all? No, I wish. Um, it's just so hard right now. Like, obviously, I'd love to go like with Brandon and stuff like that to go Supercross. I think I was planning this year, <coughs> this winter, to go uh, supermoto with uh, Jackson down in South Carolina, but uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't think it worked out. Um, it's just so much travel, because I do have a bike here, but it's just like I have to drive all the way across America to go ride for a yeah. couple of days. That's so a while. Yeah, there's actually a couple. Uh, I'm just getting into it myself in a small amount. Just, I did three supermoto track days this year, and... Uh, just I don't have a bike and just borrowing my friends' bikes and uh, and riding. Um, my buddy owns a Supermoto Track Day organization, which really helps. Uh, he's trying oh, to get me into it, and they're doing uh, mini motos a lot too. So doing 50 CCs at the local kart track. Um, yeah. And then doing that every other week, and it's like, man, I need to get a bike. And I've talked about it on here with them a couple different times, and uh, just trying to. Uh, Trying to do racing and riding for really cheap, I think Supermoto smiles to dollars off the charts. Um, yeah. You know, you don't go through tires. A track day is seventy dollars. Um, depending on where you are, you might have to travel. But for me, there's like uh, three or four tracks within an hour, and there's one that's two miles from my house. Um, yeah, that's good. So it's it's perfect. And this one two miles away has timing and scoring already. So you just got to bring a time a transponder and uh, and you're all good to go. So uh, I think I'm going to do that 
last weekend of uh, December, I'm going to try out mini moto for the first time, just rent a bike for like 80 bucks and then, you know, track day 70 bucks. It's um, not too bad for a couple hours of riding a, a motorcycle on slick pavement and inside indoors. Oh, okay. That's cool. So it'll be like, it's a slick polished concrete surface. So I've, I've been there before. Uh, I didn't ride that time, but um I must have saw 15, 20 people slide out and crash, and everybody's in a full race suit. They're two inches from the ground or their knees on the ground already, so nobody's getting hurt. Um, yeah, it's having fun. Just adults riding children's bikes indoors for fun, and it's it's uh, it looks like a blast. Yeah, it does. I've seen like uh, Instagram reels of people riding. It looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and there's all sorts of skill levels. I mean, there's like. Carl Soltes, he comes out and rides at this, and he's a pro guy. Um, and then we got people who've never rode a bike before. So it's all different levels and, and girlfriends and, you know, uh, trying it out. So I think it's great. Um, and so uh, where can people find you online? Um, are you on, you're on Instagram? Are you a video creator? Are you on YouTube at all? No, I wish I had, I wanted to like get, start getting into it. I think I'm gonna, I've got like a camera and stuff like that, that I might, I might do like just me traveling and stuff like that. I mean, I do like, obviously like Instagram and stuff like that. I always try and like keep up to date and post and stuff like that, even though it's like hard to get a lot of content. So I'm sometimes posting like a lot of like just writing clips of me that I've already, already like kind of showed everybody, but it's just I always like to keep keep up to date and post stuff. So, yeah, well, people like to see the uh, behind the scenes. So even if it's uh, if it's raw, people people like that stuff. That's why what I'm doing here. It's not edited. It's not polished. It's just talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I I mean, I'll uh, I'll probably start. I'll probably I'll definitely like get a vlog going for like some of like the rounds and stuff like that. And um, I've got um, the guy that does video for well video for me. Uh, Jamie Hollis, um, he does like, he's like the uh, Ian Champness of, of BSB type of thing. So he yeah. does a lot of video clips, which will be kind of cool. Very good. Um, yeah, I like to see those. Those are, uh, those are always cool to see. Um, you ever into uh, RC cars and uh, RC car racing or anything like that? No, I mean, I've had a couple back in, back when I was young. Uh, they always used uh, on Christmas. I'd get one, and then within like a week, they'd be like destroyed because I've crashed them too many times or something's broke on them. But I've never like got like a like a professional one. I know my friend Andy Debrino, he does it, and I think he's he's won like a lot of cha like American championships and stuff like that doing it. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, he's like uh he's like a flat track guy too, and he he rides uh, road races. Yeah, he's like the Travis Pastrana basically he's like a new travis pastrana a little bit of a daredevil yeah literally he's got like basically like he's got freestyle ramps in his backyard he's yeah he's got everything flat track sorry my sister's blowing me up on text um <laughs> he's got like flat track in his backyard he, he rides those sunday motors and he rides ovales oh actually he drifts he, he has a drift car it's just crazy Damn, sounds like an interesting fellow. I know he's uh, yeah. from the West Coast out there. Yeah, he's in Oregon. He's in Oregon. Maybe he's uh, maybe that's somebody I should talk to on here soon. 
Yeah, honestly, yeah, he, he, he probably he probably do it. I mean, there is a lot of things to talk about with him. He's done so many things in his in his career. Very good. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of them scheduled. Actually, I got uh almost every uh, two a week for the next little while here. Um, That's good. good. Yeah, man, you're number uh, seventy two. I got Raul Herrera, He's number seventy three. He's a local guy from Michigan, amateur, I believe. Keegan Brown, number seventy four. I'm gonna have him back on here for his second episode. Uh, yeah. Jeff, o, Jeff O'Berry is going to be 75. Um, he was crewing for Nolan Lampkin for a while. Um, he's going to be on for a second episode, and, and uh, he raced for with Wera. Uh, he's a coach. He's a really fast dude. He does the supermoto stuff. Um, he's actually got a he's got a 450 uh, Husqvarna right now that he he's racing for supermoto East Coast. So he's a pretty fast dude. Um, I got number 76 already scheduled with Jason Uribe. That's his second one on here. So, man, he raced the uh, World Superbike. He was on the Superbike scene for a minute. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on the uh, on the Cowie, which was that looked like he had some fun. It was it looked pretty cool. The bike and his uh his suit from Forest R and stuff like that. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, Skylar Cop, number 77. He's a CCS uh, racer with um, an expert, and he'll be on for the second one. He just started out a coaching program where he's helping training riders and training people um, uh, for physical endurance and strength coaching, but also for riding and um, and racetrack advice. Um, so he just started his that's company. So give a big shout out to him. Uh, I got Tyler Jackson, who's a supermoto guy, uh, but he also road races. So I just found out about him. Skyler uh, said I, I should talk to him, so I'm gonna, I reached out to him. And he already signed up. So let me talk <laughs> to him in a couple of weeks. Um, I got Eli Block, pretty excited about him. He's coming on, he's a Moto America racer. He's an amateur racer as well. Um, and then Lucas Silva, who's a you know, M4 guy and a pretty fast dude as well. So I got up to 81 scheduled already. Um, in the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna be pretty busy, but um, I'm excited about it, man. Overseas, you got anybody overseas? You know, I talked to Dominique Egater. He's uh, my first world champion, uh, current world champion 2021 for the World Super Sport 600 class. But uh, I don't have too many overseas guys yet. So if you could uh, introduce me or or suggest anyone, I'm all ears. You know, just looking yeah. to promote people. Um, I'll definitely send some people your way. For sure. Is there anybody up and coming that you've got your eye on? Uh, in England or just in general? In general, in England, in general, anywhere. Um, up and coming. Um, somebody you I mean, you're like you gotta watch out for this guy. I think. I mean, I don't really like. I don't know to be honest. I mean, Travis Horn, that kid's he's he's riding in at Chuckwalla and stuff like that, and he's uh he's slowly going up through the ranks, going through that Ovale filter and all the way to Junior Cup. So I think he's going to be racing in Junior Cup. Um, obviously, like Chuck Wallace, I think the number one hotspot to look for young talent because, uh, I mean, that's where I came up racing. Uh, that's where Rocco came up racing. That's where a lot of a lot of kids came up racing. Um, and obviously, like, Chuck Wallace is such a big name now in the motorsport industry, like, Keanu Reeves is riding there. Channing Tatum's riding there. I think Lewis Hamilton's ridden there. Wow. Uh, Big Pal Crutchlow's ridden there. So, yeah, I think Chuck Wall is, like, basically, I think probably the number one hotspot to ride and learn and 
get taught by one of the like basically the best coaches in the world too, Jason Fridmore with his uh with his school. The, um, obviously Caroline Olson used to she 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 uh, taught me um a lot and uh Corey Alexander, Michael Gilbert, um they all work for JP and yeah, I mean I've that's where basically that's basically I call them like my racing family because that's where I grew up. That's I used to travel around on my on my longboard just say hi to everyone now I like I come back and they literally I come back and it's like I I saw them maybe like a day ago it's just crazy so what do you think it is about Chuckwalla is it that environment with the coaching everywhere or is it the like the track layout is it super difficult that just riding that track makes you a better rider um I think I mean it's not I the track is obviously like obviously good but um I think it's mostly like this you're surrounding like you it's in the middle of the desert like there's no towns or anything like that around like it's just like strictly just racetrack and all you see is obviously they have cars there they've got a drag strip down there it's just like just racing only it's just like a basically a paradise they've got they've got uh like basically mini mini hotels mini like mini condos uh that people that people stay in um it's just it's just so great like um when i was there like people i'd people just invite me to their condo and just would have a barbecue sit down watch watch tv and then literally i would go out racing the next day they've got a flat track um a lot of big flat track guys go there um moto anatomy goes there uh debrino goes there Corey alexander he's obviously a, a good flat tracker um i think me and one, we did a trip with me, Dom, uh, Dom Doyle, uh, Brandon, and uh, Jackson, and we all we all went out there and flat tracked. It was just just loads of fun. It's just it's literally like you just forget about everything that's going on in the world, and you just like literally you're just in your own little racetrack and your your own little world. Sounds like it's a little slice of paradise with a whole bunch of different different disciplines. Yeah, definitely. Like, and obviously they run the track one way and they run track the track other way. They had some issues, like some issues with like the track coming up and stuff like that, but literally they got it fixed straight away. And yeah, it's just, it's just such a good place to go that I wouldn't, there's like not anything wrong with that track at all. Like just the surrounding and the track itself. And it sounds like being in the desert, they don't have uh, issues with barriers or uh, track walls in the way. No, 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 no. Like, literally, it's just basically just sand. That's, it's like sand everywhere. <laughs> they uh, sometimes, like, during, like, the, like, they don't really ride a lot in the summer because it gets so hot, but sometimes they do, and they get, like, sandstorms every now and then, and, like, the track just gets covered with sand. So, I mean, like, but that will happen, like, maybe, like, once or twice a year or something like that. But, uh, Obviously, Lockoff has been riding there, and yeah, it's just a great place to go ride. And probably not a whole lot of uh, rainy uh, race days there. No, I don't. I don't think I've ever ridden in the rain there. <laughs> Out of like the five years that I've been there, I think I've never ridden in the rain. So don't bring the rain tires. You'll be all right. Yeah, literally, like you go to everybody's paddock, and no one's got rain tires. <laughs> um. That's a pretty cool place to be. Um, you know, I've I've gone to a track day in Michigan um, before, and in Michigan I have a detached garage, and it it snows here quite often, and uh, we got to change our coolant 
the uh, regular coolant so it doesn't freeze and crack your engine block and all these things. So I changed it back to regular water and water wetter so it's got a little bit of anti-corrosion agent in it. And uh, I trailer my bike out, open trailer to uh, west side of Michigan and it turns into a blizzard. So it's like, sometimes you don't know if it's gonna rain or snow on a regular you know, spring day in Michigan. So you never know what's gonna happen. But if you're going to the desert, you're like, it's probably not gonna do anything but be sunny today. <laughs> Yeah, literally. I mean, like, people travel, like, across the country just to come to that weekend. It's crazy. Pretty cool. And um, do you think it'll ever become, like, a Moto America track? Or does it have a big enough paddock space for it, you think? I mean, definitely. The paddock space is absolutely massive. Um, I think they just have to put – I think they'd struggle with spectators, I think, maybe, uh, since it's it's an hour away from Palm Springs. So it's not too far. But just like I think a lot of people from Palm Springs know about the track and a lot of um, like people go there to race their like their supercars and stuff like that. So I think it would draw in a crowd, but they'd have to create stands and stuff like that and have more washrooms, have like a bunch of more stuff. So I think it'd be a lot of money and time and organizing to go into it, but they definitely have the, the, the base setting for a good Moto America event. For sure. Sounds pretty cool. Um, man, I've been just working on uh, uploading some products lately. I've been working on Revit, Revit uh, motorcycle brand apparel. They have, you know, gloves and jackets and boots and trousers and uh, windbreakers, a lot of rain gear. Um, but uh, they have like, uh, what is it, like 4,300 items I'm working on right now. So uh, oh. just been doing that uh, nonstop lately, just trying to get it all online for sale. I got a few of them online, but some of them are giving me some errors right now. Um, so just working on my spreadsheets all day. Always got working. Hey, you uh, you you super busy then? Yeah. So um, I've been just selling parts online for the last couple of years, trying to uh, sell enough to fund my racing program. So hopefully I'll be back out there racing with you guys in a couple of years um, until I sell enough products to do that. Um, I'm just trying to do this full time now, and in my spare time, as like a mini vacation, I go and do the the track marshal thing. So. Um, this next year coming up, I'm, I plan on doing the track marshalling uh, quite often. Uh, I should be down in rounds for the track marshal. Say one more time. Are you thinking about doing any West Coast rounds for uh, track marshal? Uh, it's possible, but uh, the flight cost really kills my earnings uh, for that usually. So um, I don't know. Like I looked at one actually today for Vancouver, uh, the street circuit um, for Formula One coming up. And uh, I'm like, that's probably a pretty expensive flight going out to Vancouver from Michigan. Um, so I don't know, it's possible. I'm going down to Daytona um, January. I think maybe I already mentioned that uh, earlier, but uh, first weekend of January, I'm going down to for the Arma. Um, might be back down there for the 200, but I'd like to do CCS and maybe a full season of Moto America if I can, of uh, track marshaling. Obviously I'd love to be riding, but I can't afford that at this moment. So uh, in the meantime, I can still be at the track and helping out and meeting people, yeah, yeah. talking to people. So, uh, and also getting the word out that I have 35 brands for sale. Um, and um, they're all motorcycle, or 25 of them are motorcycle related. I got about eight car racing part brands and uh, I think about three motocross and mountain bike parts. So a um, little bit of everything, motorsports and racing related. Um, I just have to list, uh, work on listing it all on eBay and Amazon and my websites now. 
which is the hard part. What's up with uh, mountain bike uh, thing? Like, what do you sell for mountain bike wise? I have Azonic, um, which is uh, hard parts. They have a little bit of pedals. They have some rims, a um, little bit of parts here and there. Not a ton yet, uh, mostly hard parts for them. Um, okay. And uh, O'Neill, Jim O'Neill has mountain bike helmets. So I have the O'Neill brand. I just bought a SRS, I think it's SRS 10, um, carbon fiber um, motocross helmet that I'm gonna use for Supermoto. Um, and I just bought uh, blur goggles for myself, for my own brand. Um, so Blur Optics makes goggles. And what's cool about this brand is they have a magnetic shield. So you can just change out your, you know, your tinted shield. I have a, um, a silver chromatic or a silver reflective uh, mirrored visor. And then you can just swap that out, put a clear on, and then two seconds with no bolts, no nothing. It's just a really, really uh, strong magnet. So I have 100% you know, the 100% goggles with a gold reflective shield. That's great. I love it. Um, but it takes me like 10 minutes to change out that little lens in there. And it's yeah. scratched, like the film is kind of coming off. So I'm like, well, if I sell it, I should probably be a billboard for what I sell. So I need to, I got an O'Neill helmet with the blur optics goggles and the, and the silver tint on it. So that's going to be my new helmet and goggle combo. That's cool. Yeah, I've seen those before and on like Instagram and stuff like that. They do, I think, I'm pretty sure, do they do stuff for like snowboarding and skiing and stuff like that too? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you could probably use those goggles for any application. Um, you know, they have different different uh, tints. Some of them you want like a yellow tint for the snow, I think, or um, for different light, you know, yeah. if it's dark or bright. Um, but yeah, man, I got so many products. Um it's just hard to list them all for sale at once. So I've um, just been working on this one brand lately and just trying to get it online. It's, it's exciting to see everything that's available for me to sell. Um, I've uh, gotten into some brake lines recently with uh, CoreMoto. So I sell CoreMoto brake lines, custom brake lines. Um, but I had to just take a few of them down because they didn't have all the variant options. There's like four different color options you can choose. Um, it's like ridiculous. There's 17 colors for each of them. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, very customized. Yeah, it's like one. Of, it's like video games. You get to customize everything on your bike. Yeah, it's 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 awesome uh, to have that uh, level of customization, but just creates a lot of work for me on the back end. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually going to be, um, you know, I mentioned it to you, but I got the date wrong. Uh, it was a good thing I was about to leave for uh, my event um yesterday and i looked it up on the facebook groups and i was it was today i was like oh well good thing i looked it up because i would have left and <laughs> been the right way <laughs> but uh todd thomas uh, a founding member of uh, sport bike track time uh has passed away um i believe due to covid uh complications so we're having a, a get together the whole track family in michigan um we're going to get together a couple miles from my house and um and at the bar and kind of toast to his life. So, um, yeah, that's cool. you know, sport bike track time is uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've raced with, or not raced, but I've rode with them countless times and track days. And those people have become your family. And this is one of the guys who started the whole organization. So uh, co-founder. Um, do a burnout for him? Uh, you know, I don't own a motorcycle right now, but I'll do a burnout on my bicycle for him. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hey, love you. Uh, it's, uh, 
like when I go out, I want to have a celebration of life. I don't want to have like a sad event. I want to have people doing burnouts and live music and, and, you know, shooting guns in the sky and, you know, not being crazy, but, you know, just um, celebrate my life. Don't, don't be sad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Celebration of life, not a funeral. That's what I think. For sure. Um, I want to, what, I want a moment of chaos, not a moment of silence. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So maybe some fireworks in there, I think would be, uh, would be good. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think my dad, he, if, for his, uh, for his funeral, I think he wants everybody to wear blonde, blonde wigs. So it'd be kind <laughs> of funny if everybody yeah. with black suits on with a blonde wig on. <laughs> Does he like blondes? Is just is there some backstory to that? I there, I probably there probably is, but he's never told me. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh kind of stinks, but um I'd be happy to celebrate his life tonight and go over there and have a couple of drinks for him. But uh, um, yeah. So talking about COVID, um, and you traveling internationally, is there any restrictions going on now? What what do you have to do to to pass the gates for all that? Um, I think it's not too bad going to England, but it's pretty, it's pretty like strict going, coming back to Canada. Uh, but it's good that I'm a permanent resident, so it's a little bit easier. But um, yeah, I think you gotta, I don't think you have to have a COVID test going to England, but you have to have a COVID test, like a PCR test to get back into Canada. So it's not too bad. I mean, I've done it for so long now. It's just like basically just normal. Is that where they uh, uh, scratch your brain with a Q-tip? Yeah, so most of it, like, you can, you can get, like, the, what, like, the PCR test that you just do yourself and then send them in. I mean, it, like, when COVID first hit, it took us, it took, like, three days to get, like, the test back, but now it's literally, like, within 24 hours, so they've got better at it. And uh, how was the travel coming to and from the States while you were racing? Uh, did you stay in the States most of the time, I would assume? Yeah, I stayed in the States for basically the whole season. Um, I stayed with, uh, obviously, Dom Doyle for a while. I stayed with Matthew for a while. Um, I stayed with um, Josh Hayes for a while, too. So a little bit of couch surfing. For sure. And uh, you still keep in touch with uh, Bobby Fong, uh, the previous guest on this with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister, she's literally she flew out today uh, to go to go there to to Bob. Uh, yeah, he's doing good. Um, I don't know what his plans are for next year. Uh, I think he'll. I think he's pretty sure he'll be riding. So I'm excited to see what 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 uh what what his plans are. And he's a he's a he's a good rider. I'd like to see him go for the uh, the superbike title uh, again. Yeah, I mean, uh, he seems like he's always a title contender, top five guy. Uh, almost every round um and uh, i'd like to see him just make the next step to maybe be a always podium finisher yeah definitely yeah i think he had some technical issues uh this year which was which was a little bit unfortunate every time he'd get into like a good position he'd uh have something go wrong but um no i think uh with the right with the right team and the right package around him he's definitely a good rider he's definitely a threat for sure um yeah, man. Uh, it's it's just cool to see uh, the progression of everything, you know, and with you yourself and how you've been riding. Um, talk about your some of your finishes this year, maybe some some top races or, or uh, results that you had. 
Yeah, so I think Virginia, uh, I think that was the second round. I think we qualified third, put it on the front row. Um, I felt really good at Virginia, and then obviously I had um, an issue, a mechanical issue in race one, and then obviously I got um, taken out by another rider uh, in race two, which kind of sucked. Um, I think that was my best qualifying of the year. Um which is unfortunate. Um, I feel like the season that on the, obviously on the, on the R3 was, it was good. Um, the, my times were always literally like close to the front. Like I'd say uh, probably around like five tenths off, but I, it put me like P6, P7, and then off the line, it would just, I'd just go backwards. And then it's just like trying to get in the draft and trying to pull out of the draft and, when you pull out, you have to go back into the draft because you can't pass them. So you'd always be lunging from far back and that would lead to some incidents and crashes. And it was, it was good. Um, I think I learned a lot. Uh, definitely. I learned a lot with pushing the front tire and stuff like that. Um, and like just the feel on the front end. Um, and it taught me a lot. And then it kind of, I try to translate it to the 400 and it made me go faster on the 400. Um, being on, the, on a lightweight bike, do you ever see yourself maybe staying behind the guy in front of you just to um, for an advantage in a different corner? Like you could pass him maybe here, but you want to pass him in a different corner so he doesn't have the draft on you coming out of that next one? Yeah, I think that, I mean, not during the race. I think maybe on the last lap down, like the la like on a corner that's before a big straightaway, you probably want to be P2 or P3. You don't want to be leading. Um but I mean, it's, it's racing. Like, it's just like, you never know what can happen that you try, you try your best to be in the best position, but it will never, no matter how many times you try, it will never work out the way you think it will work out. Yeah. And are there uh, team orders uh, typically in uh, your organization or anything like that? Um, no, not really. Um, obviously when I was in England, um, I had the, the championship leader was, um, was helping me out a lot just in qualifying and stuff like that just to get a fast lap in uh Cameron Dawson and then um no but other than that there's not really any um any big team motor team orders or anything like that no no radio chatter in my in my helmet <laughs> just don't take your teammate out right yeah yeah that's that's one thing but always beat your teammate though yeah and so you guys uh you do then um in certain situations work together and qualifying to get some laps some laps in together yeah yeah, yeah. so obviously in in qualifying everybody's trying to wait for a toe so we just literally just wait for everybody to go at the uh, at the pit out and everybody would obviously try and wait behind you and as soon as you go everybody else will go and then literally sometimes you'd go around the track uh, pretend that you're going for another lap and then just pull into the pits and just go do a ride through. And then they'll probably, some of them, I think at Alton Park, they followed us in uh, behind us. So we just pulled over and just let them all by at the end of the pit lane and just went out again. And there's a lot of strategy in qualifying, it seems like, especially for the lightweight bikes. Do you find it uh, to be dangerous when people are like trying to wait behind other riders or like pull it off and there's, no, yeah. there's a whole bunch of traffic? Yeah, definitely. Um, they're trying to obviously reduce that. Um, I have a funny story when, uh, 
this year we got to the first ever like obviously the 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 first round that I did in England uh, out of the three and we got pulled in for a riders meeting for uh, for that exact reason and obviously I wasn't there but I was obviously getting a getting getting talked to by the by Stuart about how to how etiquette was should be and stuff like that which I understand completely but it was a bit funny because uh literally on the Friday morning before practice we got pulled in and I'm like I didn't do anything I wasn't here (laughs) (laughs) for sure um now there is a solution to fix that you could just do a one lap one and done qualifying like the moto the e-pole right moto e they do that yeah Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know how that would work though, because that's it's a lot of riders. There's 50 riders, so uh, 50 riders doing one lap each would take a long time, and it's only a 25 minute session, so it's n- impossible. Or like uh, with with mountain bike racing time trials, they do every 30 seconds. I think a new rider goes off every 30 se- or maybe 20 seconds, it might be shorter. Yeah, so that's what they did. Kind of, they sent us they sent us off in waves. So like they obviously there's 50 kids lined up like a parade basically and <laughs> out and they'd obviously let four riders go stop let the other riders go stop let the other riders go so a bit like what they did in Motor America because there's a there's a couple couple people that were like trying to follow and stuff like that which is understandable you everybody wants an advantage but you can't be too ridiculous with it no I mean I mean I've obviously back when I was on on the uh, on the bike, uh, on the Westby bike, it was, um, I was doing that quite a lot, trying to get the draft for qualifying and stuff like that. So not so much on the 400 now. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, is there anything else you had on your mind? No, nothing much. I think we, I mean, it's just good to chat. I mean, I mean, obviously being in, in Canada, it's like, there's no one really here to talk about racing except for my dad. Um, but no, it's, it's good to talk to someone that's like in the racing game and stuff like that. So it's good to get to express my thoughts and stuff like that about racing. Cause I've been thinking about it for so long, just sitting at home. Yeah, for sure. It's always nice to talk to someone who uh, lis- wants to listen to what I have to say, or li- wants to listen about racing. Right. Because most of the time when I open my mouth, I talk about racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's probably the same as me obviously i have friends that are from canada that have no clue about racing and it's all it's honestly like i like it like it's just literally like it's they just obviously like when i'm ra- like with my racing friends you've always got to like not carry an ego but you've got like your riding like you've got your instagram with you like you've got to make like you've got this amount of followers it's all about that but with some of my friends like they just don't care like, yeah, I could I could be like the most popular racer in the world, but they probably just wouldn't care. So. Yeah, it's a nice way to get away from it too. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely nice. So, do you have any other uh, things outside of racing you're interested in? Um, right now, not really that much. Um, to be honest, because there's not really a lot to do. Um, where I where I'm at, I mean, uh, I mean, I I'm probably gonna work on my motocross bike, maybe. Maybe maybe go to the motocross track, which will be, which will be fun. I think it's like an hour away from me, uh, the closest one. Um, I think they're they're not during the winter. I don't think they have like because obviously the dirt gets honestly like it's basically the dirt gets frozen, so it's like riding on ice. Okay. Yeah. Like the roost is like terrible. Like it's <laughs> like rocks thrown at you the whole time. 
Better uh, watch out for your neck, right? So you don't get this stuff. Yeah, actually, it's it's yeah. I've gotten hit like a couple times, and it's like not the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> so uh, during this whole pandemic stuff, I've been uh, eating at home a lot more, trying not to eat out as much, trying to save money, you know, like most people. And um, I found myself cooking a lot more. So just trying to make more food at home, and uh, uh, some of it turns out all right, some of it not so much, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I was just going through my uh, my freezer, uh, and you know sometimes you there's stuff in there like ah I'm just I'm gonna eat something else I'm gonna you know gloss over that come back to it in a week or so and then you you do that for a couple of months you're like oh man I haven't eaten this in months what is this <laughs> what is this I don't even know what this is anymore um, yeah so I, I mean cook in the world so I I leave that to I leave that to mom but maybe like. Once in a while, I'll like surprise the family and cook a cook a meal, and it's actually pretty good. So it's just sometimes like I can't cook cook every night. <laughs> For sure, um, I've been living on my own since I was eighteen, so I don't. Um, and my mom never really taught me how to cook too well, so um, learn everything on, as I go on my own. So I would recommend while you're living at home, learn if your mom knows how to cook, learn from her a little bit, because because uh, pretty soon you have to do it all for yourself. Yeah, I mean, mom taught me a lot. I think I learned most of my cooking from Matthew because Matthew cooks at home a lot um, in like the mornings and stuff like that. And literally, our schedule would be like the exact same. We'd get up, cook like half a dozen to a dozen eggs, and literally like cook chicken and stuff like that. Most of it's like just a lot of spices and stuff like that because he's from South Africa, so he's used to a lot of spices and stuff like that. So sometimes I'm I have a bite of chicken and I'm like, <clears throat> like, oh, wow, that's really good, Matthew. <laughs> um, really hot or really flavorful? Hot, very spicy. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> he suffers with indigestion. So like, you can hear him while he eats, he goes, ah, ah, and I'm like doing the same thing because it's so spicy. <laughs> oh yeah, it makes your sinuses run if it's too hot, right? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. It clears, clears you out. Definitely, definitely. Very good. Well, uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up for today. we got about an hour and 20-some minutes going on. So um, I'll have everybody go over to uh, to your Instagram and follow you on there. And what was your uh, handle again? Uh, what was it again? Oh, yeah, Jack Roach underscore 12. Jack Roach underscore 12. Go over there, follow him, and like all his pictures. And, uh, and you can find him racing at BSB in 2022. Yeah, maybe a couple. We'll throw up a couple vlogs, maybe. Heck yeah! Well, we'll all be watching, man. Alrighty, thank you. Thank you. Good luck, and I'll post this real soon. All right, have a good one.